cliffcentral.com. What do you got for us this morning, Anthea? Good morning again. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It was it was an interesting week last week. Um, lots of concern around global growth to the point where crude oil fell below sixty one dollars a barrel. Ooh. Um, and and that was a big surprise because U.S. crude inventories came in lower than expected, so less supply should be a higher price. And OPEC are taking action, if you like, with their members to keep oil prices elevated. So why it fell below $61 a barrel was interesting. Um, I, I think it really is just concern over global growth. We had in Germany the private sector employment number falling for the first time in six years, and I think that just kind of shocked the market a bit. Um, I've got some interesting uh, trivia for you, because if you look at how to write um, the price of oil per barrel, like for for example, another word on, on the index, basically, or, or anywhere it's referred to in writing, anywhere in reports, uh, in fact, on the index, on boards, on trading platforms, it's um, dollar sign sixty one, and then the forward slash BBL, because I you $61 know sixty one dollars per barrel, but it's but it's but why, why, why BBL? BBL? Oh, exactly. What does so, that mean? In the 1860s, when they started producing oil, there was no standard measure. They used to use anything, turpentine barrels, um, petroleum, uh, sorry, molasses barrels, fish barrels, anything, you know. And so a barrel would be 40 gallons. And then eventually, a couple of decades later, they decided to standardize oil and put it in blue barrels. So BBL stands for blue barrels. And the blue barrels were, in fact, 42 gallons, uh, U.S. gallons. Um, and the extra two gallons was what in wine is called the angel's share. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because it evaporates. That's right. So your standard barrel of petrol, petroleum, is 42 gallons, and it's blue. That's so amazing. Mm. Forward slash BBL stands for blue oh. barrels. But then it's the same size. It also size stands as for blue balls. Okay. But Does in it? just case, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you, yeah. Wow, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. No, I don't know either. But then it's the same size as a cask of wine. Isn't a cask of wine only 40? Oh, maybe it is 42. Yeah, because they let, the, let the two evaporate. That's what I'm imagining. Mm. So why, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Angel share. All right. What else? Um, and then the ECB left interest rates unchanged. That's the European Central Bank. That's correct. Sorry. Uh-huh. Thank you for correcting me. No, no. Um, and it was pretty much Mario Draghi, or Super Mario as we call him, his swan song speech. So he's being replaced by the very politically astute Christine Lagarde. We're all very excited about that. She but really she's has already been very important in international. IMF, yeah. yeah. She headed up the IMF. Right. So and, she's and she's smart and she's well regarded, and so we're all very excited that she's okay. going to be heading up the. But ECB. you said she's quite politically astute. Just explain. She, she just knows how to play the game. You know, oh. she knows how to get what she wants. She keeps everybody in line. I mean, of course, that was at the IMF, which is a slightly different organization to ECB. It's going to be slightly harder at ECB. But if anybody hmm. can do it, she can do. It, I have no doubt. Okay. Um, and how, then do we, were, how do we rate Mario Draghi? I, I think he had a tough term, right? He, he he went through some really difficult recession. Well, and the market was good, but I think the economy was difficult. Europe was difficult. He had to kind of see where things were going with Brexit, and they kept lowering interest rates to keep the market higher. So he's done okay. 
no right. doubt. And everybody was asking him what he's going to do after because he's Italian and they're asking if he's going to be the president of Italy. And he deferred to his wife, Serena Draghi, hmm. who, by the way, comes from a noble family. She's in fact descended from the Grand Duke of Tuscany. So guess who wears the pants in that household? Good. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And then locally, CPI inflation came in well below the Saab's midpoint target. So the target's 4.5. CPI inflation came in at 4.1%, which is even lower than the previous month's 4.3%. Um, and I think part of this really is showing that consumer demand is not there. So con- consumers are not purchasing. But then we also saw Pick and Pay's results, an impressive set of results. I'm really impressed. Uh, Richard Brash has done, the CEO has done a fantastic job. And what we saw in Pick and Pay was that they're not passing on inflation to the consumer. So it feels like the retailers are absorbing, and I think we've spoken about this before, retailers are basically absorbing um, inflation into their prices because the consumer because they're trying to buy market share. They're trying to get the consumer to buy. And if they push up prices, put pressure on the consumer, the consumer doesn't come to spend. Right. Um, so they're trying to keep, you know, it's like a price war basically between the retailers. But, yeah, turnover at pick and pay grew 6%, like for like turnover, which is really how we measure it, 2.9%, which doesn't seem that fantastic. But the real kicker was that they managed to keep costs really low, and so their gross profit margins increased by 1%. That's terrific. I mean, that's really good work for them. That's and, managing and the place so well. And economic environment? Yeah. Super. Terrific. Um, and then clicks put out their full year results and actually also another great set of results. But we knew this was coming because the week before they put out a trading statement saying that things were going to be good. Again, group turnover seven grew by 7.1%. Clicks turnover is now 31.4 billion rand a year. Damn, that's, <laughs> that's good. That's and we were amazing. worried about them being uh, pushed out of the market by Discam. Exactly. Not so long ago. Not, no fear of that now. No. Even though they put out some good results, the share was down because when they put out their trading statement the week before, the share was up, I want to say 10% on, in one day. And so I think what you saw last week, Thursday, when the results came out was just some profit taking, you know, so push the share down, those who had bought. And, and really kind of from Click's point of view, it was about gaining market share. And there we were thinking that Diskem was mm. going to take over and expanding their pharmacy footprint. So what's happening in South Africa at the moment where you used to have a lot of mom and pop pharmacy pharmaceuticals, you now have Clicks and Diskem buying them up. The difficulty for Clicks and Diskem though is that you cannot have a pharmacy without a qualified pharmacist. So before where the pharmacist would go and open his mom and pop pharmacy, mm-hmm. he's now retiring and selling off to Diskem and right. to Clicks. And so they're struggling to find qualified pharmacists who can be there on the ground for it. For, for every hour that it's open, you have to have a pharmacist present. So, so I think that's their difficulty and that's probably where their growth, where their growth might be stunted in that industry. Let's talk about Ultron. Yeah, so this is a small ICT company. And when I say small, they're just over 10 billion rand market cap. Um, also a decent set of, in fact, a shockingly, surprisingly good set of results. Good like for South them. African companies really just 
know how to every once in a while pull rabbits out of hats. Eh? I think they have to. It's almost like a survival strategy. Absolutely. Oh. And if you think about 2008, 2009, when the rest of the world was struggling, how the South African market kind of held on to their gains or held their own and didn't fall by 40% as did the others, then, yeah, it's it's good to watch South African res- resilience at its best. Um, EBITDA was up 19%, although some of that was for an accounting change. Um, same story with all the other the the retail stores that own or that sorry that lease properties they have to bring these leases onto the balance sheet so if you exclude that EBITDA was up nine percent headline earnings per share up four percent which is kind of okay but I mean it's mm-hmm. pretty decent you know they're saying they've got great agreements with Toyota Vodacom NetStar they're looking for double digit earnings growth by 2022 so that's pretty impressive and you'll know the CEO. He's in Tetonyati. Tetonyati, yeah. Yeah, oh, you do know him. Okay, yeah. So he's kind of. He used to be MTN CEO. He's, he's been around the block. He knows his stuff. That's right. And he wrote a book, um, which I haven't read yet. It's called Betting on a Darkie, Lifting the Corporate <laughs> Game. I know, right? I like, I have such an aversion to reading books like that. I, yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm still old school. Okay. And then overseas, two big ones. Tesla was up 21% on Wednesday after they put out a fantastic set of results. Finally, a profit. Tesla finally makes a profit. So the market was expecting a loss of 42 cents per share. They made a profit of $1.86 per share. So, of course, the share spiked. Uh, Elon Musk on top of his game. Isn't he fantastic all of a sudden? The greatest thing. (laughs) He he kind of has to, right, after he got booted for being a bit of an idiot and being taken um, off the board of Tesla. So he still runs it, but he's not on the board anymore. Um, They managed to increase their cash balance to $5.3 billion, which is staggering. Superb. And it's money they're going to need because he's talking about producing cheaper cars, rolling out SUVs, more self-driving technology. The man always has something on the go, doesn't he? That's what's so good about him. And and we're looking for CEOs and leaders in business and in politics, frankly, who have good ideas and who have things that are constantly improving. And he has a list of those that's from here to the moon. Absolutely. In fact, from here to Mars because he's trying to get there. But the difficulty with being the front runner or the greatest innovator is that bigger companies always tend to catch up with you. So you're always having to stay yeah. ahead of the game. So even if you're first to market, it's not always uh-uh. the most profitable no, or best solution. If you're first to market, you make all the mistakes and exactly. someone can come in after you and having learned from your lessons, make none of the mistakes. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right, but one. good for Elon Musk. And then the last one, Twitter. They reported their third quarter um, results on Thursday, I think it was as well. Net income of $37 million, or $0.05 cents per share. Revenue climbed to $824 million, which apparently wasn't good enough because the market was expecting $874 million. And they said they discovered a bug in their advertising, um, their targeted advertising in their software that used – that is being used for ta- targeted advertising. Yeah. Um, so the share was down 18%, which I didn't think was fair. I mean, I, okay, so they undershot revenue a little bit. Um, and they grew their monetizable daily active users, which is exactly what the business model is, right? So their MDAU, as we call it, monetized monetizable daily active users. Mm-hmm. They grew to 145. We were ex- from 139 the previous quarter, and the market was only expecting 142. I, I have to tell you, I'm, I don't believe any of this. I, like, I think mm? Twitter, no, I think tw- Twitter 
uh, YouTube, Google, and uh, Facebook all inflate their numbers outrageously. I'm supposedly uh, 2 million followers in on Twitter, right? I, I put something out, and I promise you it does not get anything like the number. You, you, you could have 80,000 followers, and you'll probably Sorry, get I'm more. Sorry, still, I'm still on. You have two million yeah. Twitter mm-hmm. followers. Yeah, but I mean, I haven't been on there for, for a long time. But when I do tweet something, it, you'd expect it to have a fair amount of reach. It doesn't. And I think it's all inflated. The smaller numbers are obviously the real ones. So if you have like 10,000 followers or whatever, those are your genuine engaging followers. Now, there might be a whole bunch of fake followers. I accept mm. that. They, they did a big cleanup a while ago. Mm. But there's also the fact that I think their algorithm actually squashes it at both ends. Like it makes sure that very, very small numbers are exaggerated upwards so that those people keep working the system and that people at the top of the system get much lower reaction rates because their algorithm wants to churn out less, less result there. Or they want you to pay to have your well, content that's what seen. They, they do want that. And mm. I, therefore, I don't think it's real. And I think advertisers have to be very careful when they're spending money with these guys because there's no one who can verify their numbers except them. And how do we know they're putting out real numbers? Mm. Could be completely fake. Yeah, and it, and and the definition I gave you, the monetizable daily active users, mm-hmm. is not monetized. No, so they haven't not actually received a single cent from every single one of those 145 million people. It's that they potentially could, exactly, so which is, speaks exactly to your um, theory. All right, That's very good. No worries. Thank so you. So they Anthea. say they've got challenges in the fourth quarter um, because there are no major events. We're in the fourth quarter. Look, I mean, Twitter also has challenges full stop because even trying to monetize these people on that platform is very hard. Very hard. Yeah. It's not, it's not a place people go to. You know, Facebook has a better time doing it. Instagram probably much better time too. And YouTube. Twitter is not built for this. So while it's a really interesting communications platform, I don't think it's a good one for advertisers. Mm. Just, just my two cents. All right, good. Should we talk on Thursday? It's medium-term budget policy oh. statement on Wednesday again. Yes, we must. And I'll, mm. th- I'll think it would hmm. – it's probably going to be all about the, how we're going to get taxed more. I don't think he's got room to tax. Don't and you? No, no, no. It's only medium-term, so I don't think he – I mean, he might talk about it for February, but I don't think he'll up taxes. No, I don't think he can at this hmm. stage. All right. <laughs> well, let's see what happens. We'll Thanks. chat on Thursday. Great. Thank you, Anthea. Cliffcentral.com.